This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. Hello. Today on the pod, we have author Jordana Levine. She's got two books out. One's called Make It Happen, which is all about manifestation. It's become a bestseller. And her most recent book, Higher Love, is what we kind of really dive into in this episode. It's a really, really interesting chat. We talk about dating apps. We talk about the dating game in today's day and age. And she even talks about the effect that Hollywood rom-coms have had on our perception of dating. Really fascinating, really interesting. I hope you love Jordana Levine. Jordana Levine, take two, my friend. <laughs> are we are we talking about the fact that it's a take two? Yeah. Okay. Let's call it out. So we recorded this lovely chat about two months ago yeah, now, didn't we? Yeah, it was a we? while ago. And what happened to it, Lola? Well, I'm going to throw the boss under the under the bus. bus. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he he came in. I was working in his studio and he goes, he tapped me on the shoulder and he goes, I've never done this to you before in how many episodes? 111 episodes. He's like, this has never happened. I've just lost Jordana's files. <laughs> and I said, I go, you wiped the Zoom recorder, didn't you, right before I, I think I was going to Brisbane for a pod and he's like, yep, I wiped it. i got to say, though, like if you were going to wipe anyone's interview. It was lucky it was mine. Well, because we live so close. So close We're to like each 10 other. minutes up the road. Yeah, and also super understanding. I can't tell you how many, I can tell you how many, four interviews I've recorded where I didn't press record. Oh my God, now I'm double, check, triple checking. I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you get to the end and you're like, fuck, how well do I know this person or how comfortable am I telling them that we're going to have to sit down again? Oh, I have a fear of it all. I have a fear. Like, and you'll see me do this today, but, like, as soon as we finish, I listen to the start back to, yeah. like, triple Just Brazilian to make sure. check. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think we're good to go, though. And the good thing about this is last time I had kind of binge read Make It Happen, your mm. first best-selling incredible book. Yeah. But I'd, only, I'd got halfway through Higher Love and kind of, done it quickly because I think I had three pods back to back. Yeah. So I felt like, oh, maybe this is a gift and look at all my like post-it so notes. post-it notes. And I am actually obsessed with this book now. I started it a few days ago again from the beginning and I finished it this morning. Ripper book, my friend. Thank you. I'm really proud of that book. Yeah, you should be. Yeah. And I listened to a really cool pod you did with this American girl Oh, Samantha something or other? Oh, Samantha Daly. That was unreal. Yeah. I was like, you two are like could have a pod together. Yeah, she was she was great. You know, it's so funny. I mean, I'm sitting here on a pod as we talk about this, but you'll know this. When you do promo for a book, you do a lot of podcasts. Yeah. And there's a lot of questions that are the same, yeah. you know, that you just kind of repeat over and over yeah. again. And it's really nice when you get to an interview and people are asking you different things. And I yeah. think Sam really did that. Yeah, you could tell yeah. she was 
fully drinking the Kool-Aid of yeah. this book and I love and that's what I like to do as a host as well because I want to soak it up and mm. understand like the essence of you. So before we get into higher love, I do want to talk about Make It Happen because you do touch on it at the start of this book and I actually learned off that podcast, Samantha Daly, did you say? Yeah. I'll put a link to it in the show notes because it's a really cool listen but I learned that the reason why higher love exists is because when you wrote Make It Happen, the kind of like love chunk people ask you so much about, is that right? Yeah. So there was a there was a big chapter in Make It Happen about manifesting love. And um, look, uh, yeah, a lot of people really resonated with the chapter, but I also realised as I was writing it that there was so much more to say yeah. that I couldn't really fit into yeah. one chapter of a book. Um, so yeah, that was the impetus for sitting down to write Higher Love. How good. Mm. I love it as well. And I there's actually a bit in the higher love and it's and I can't wait to talk to you about it. Um, where you write about narcissism and narcissists <laughs> and you're like, I could do a whole book on this. And I'm like, please, please do. Yeah. Um, but can you just because although today we're gonna focus on higher love, I do want to talk about make it happen because I love your manifestation equation. Yeah. And I think it's just really cool if people wanna it's so easy to start implementing in your life today. Can you Absolutely. share a bit about it? Yeah. So I've always been really interested in manifestation, but I feel like all the sort of teachings around it are very spiritual and very woo-woo. And although I can be all of those things, I'm also much like you, very practical, very rational, very logical. And so when I really started to, in my own practice, break down what manifestation was, I realized that there was actually a lot more to it that these teachings were missing out. And that's how the manifestation equation came to be. So for everyone listening, the manifestation equation goes like this, thoughts plus feelings plus actions plus faith equals successful manifestation. And the key to it is implementing all four parts of that equation together. Mm. So a lot of the teachings, have been, you know, think positive thoughts, um, you know, feel the good feels. And that's all great. But unless you're aligning your thoughts with your intention, aligning your feelings with your intention, taking action, which nobody does in those teachings, and really having faith in yourself and something greater than you, then manifestation will escape you. You kind of have to do all of that together. I love it. And I feel like you can apply it to every single element of your life, really, like career success. Can we quickly talk about your past career before being a (laughs) phenomenal author? Because you and I both have a similar background. Yeah. Right? So you were a food writer, Well, Yeah, I trained to be a journalist and I somehow ended up in food publishing. I mean, it wasn't weird because I was always a bit of a foodie, but it was never the path I thought I'd go on. Mm -hmm. But I started working for one food magazine and then it kind of snowballed from there. And part of that was, a, a massive part of it was recipe development. So I went and got my commercial cookery training while I was working and so yeah I did a lot of recipe development for a lot of big cookbooks I love it yeah there's another bit in that book though so I'm I'm going back over my I've got two sets I said this before I've got two sets of notes here (laughs) one's kind of like our original interview and then I'm like deep diving new stuff but um there's a bit that I love in Make It Happen where you talk up, talk about standing up for yourself mm. and you share an experience of a, a working environment where you were like, oh, God, like how long do I kind of want to leave my, have myself in this scenario for? Can you share a little bit about like, yes, your experience about standing up for yourself but kind of that importance of it? We were just talking about it even before this pod and I think 
as a female, sometimes it can be really scary to stand up for yourself, especially yeah. to other seemingly more successful people at that stage of your career? Absolutely. I had a string all through my career in publishing, which was about 10 years. Um, I had a string of female bosses. It, it happens in publishing. It's especially in women's magazines. It's it's a yeah. female-heavy industry. Yeah. And all the women I worked for, <laughs> I mean, not diagnosed, self-diagnosed by me, they were all, they were a bunch of narcissists, all yeah. of them. Um which was fine. It was big learning curve for me. Yeah. But it also is hard when you're um, an up-and-comer or a newbie yeah. in an industry to stand up for yourself. And and I feel like my string of jobs um, were lessons for me in order to be able to do that so that one day when I was running my own business and writing my own books, I had the confidence to not only stand up for myself but to have like serious boundaries in place. And I do feel like, and this is what I talk about in the book, that things happen for you. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the time we think that everything's happening to us, but sometimes things are put in your path in order for you to to grow and, yeah, yeah learn rise up. And, yeah. Yeah. I love the bit you wrote about boundaries in the book because I'm one of those people that's like, I get guilty when I say no. Mm. I get guilty. I'm like, oh, what, but if I don't do that, and then what are they going to think of me? And then like all the self doubt just creeps on in. Absolutely, we but just want to rate well, at that. <laughs> no, you are because like even when I, I've ever since I met you, ever since I've got to know you, you're you're so true to yourself that you're like. Yeah, I can do that. Or, no, I can't do that. Like, and I'm like, oh, I need that. I need that in my life. Yeah, it's. I think. It, there's this like societal expectation that if a woman is going to be assertive, it means she's being a bitch. Correct. Right? And it took me a lot to work through that and realise that you can assert boundaries in a really kind way. And when you do assert boundaries, it gives the other person permission to set boundaries as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the term that really helped me is no thank you. Yeah. You know, simply by putting thank you on the end, as long as you don't say it in a really kind of condescending yeah. way. Uh, no, thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but just like, oh, no, thank you. It's just kind of giving yourself permission to step away from something that's not in your highest interest, but yeah. also with a nicety and a kindness behind it. And and this is where I get, I'm excited to move into higher love. Like uh, you give examples of how to end something when you're like, okay, this isn't really serving me anymore. Yeah. But can I can I rewind a little bit to the start of high love because I want to talk yeah. personal vibration. I think if people can get a hold of this, it's a bit of a game changer as well. Can Absolutely. Yeah. So higher love is ultimately a book about dating and relationships. Sex in the city vibes. It's very sex in the city vibes. Um, thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> um, it. But the first part of the book is actually just about you getting to know you. Yeah. Because I think it's a huge part of being in relationship, walking in as a whole person. So the way I start the book is really um, bringing people back to what I call your personal vibration yeah. and working out what your personal vibration looks like and feels like when it's strong compared to how it looks and feels when it's weak. Yeah. And that personal vibration, the the way I get people to tap into it is to think about you know those moments when you feel most like you, you feel confident in yourself, conversation flows easily, your posture feels good, Mm. you're happy, you know, all those things. And for a lot of people, it's when they're 
at home with their family or around certain friends or for some people it's when they're home alone, you know, or out in nature or whatever it might be. Tuning into when you feel most like you and then working out what are the things in your life that help strengthen that feeling yeah. and what are the things in your life that weaken it. And so for me, in those jobs that we were talking about, being in toxic work environments was really weakening my vibration. So I had to get to a point where I asked myself, is this worth constantly being in a low vibration Mm. when I'm finding it hard to find things to strengthen it? Mm. And what would happen if I changed my career or changed the way that I work and deal with these people and started to prioritise the things that will strengthen it? Uh, And I feel like that isn't just going to have an impact on your love life. That's going to affect every element of your life. Well, you that's can apply it. it to anything. And that's right? what we're talking about in the beginning yeah. of the book. We don't even talk about love. But if you think about walking into a relationship with a strong vibration, yeah. how different that relationship can turn out than if you're in this low vibration where you don't really know who you are and you're not really your authentic self. So you'll just kind of morph into ever what to whatever they need you to be, you know? And this is how people get stuck in toxicity. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when you go on a date with someone and they're just so confident within who they are as a person, their self-awareness feels like it's on tuned right up to high volume and it's so attractive. Mm. And I think you talk about it later in the book where you say um, going into that first date, you know, really clear on your personal vibration and kind of going in I don't want to say like A1, but like feeling like, hey, I know who I am, I know what my values are, I feel good. I know I know what I want, I know how I want to feel. And I think, look, if you're listening and you're not an overly confident person, mm. you're a bit of an introvert, that's okay too. It's about going in as your most authentic self and yeah. knowing that you can hold that feeling when you're in that space, you know, because I think sometimes we go into, um, and this isn't just dating, this is any kind of um, situation where there's other people, where we go in and we're like, fuck, I'm finding it really hard to just hold my own here and be myself. Yeah. And that's not what you want when you're, when you're trying to find a partner. Yeah. And this is a, um, a thing that I think I did when I wasn't clear on my personal vibration, I would go in and I'd ignore all these red flags mm. at the beginning and be like, oh, no, they're just, they didn't polish that <laughs> bottle of wine off by themselves. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. And then it happens on the second date and you're like, oh, no, they don't have an alcohol problem at all. Like, And yeah. then it gets like then you're too deep in and you share, re- like I have to ask because yeah. <laughs> there's this, there's a part of the book where you're basically putting yourself like you're a guinea pig and you're like, right, I'm going to go on dating apps. I'm going to just go on dates with people that I usually wouldn't swipe right for. Yeah. Did you tell these people, yo, come on, be honest? <laughs> it was so, it, I've got to say, so this was 2019. Yeah. It was fucking messy. Like yeah. it was It was such a hard time. Yes, I was dating a lot. Yeah. And I talk about it in the beginning of the book. I'd just come out of a really great relationship and I had to just throw myself into dating. So, yeah, some of the guys I told, some of the guys didn't ask anything about what I was writing. So I didn't tell them. And yeah. a lot of them ended up in the book. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> jokes on you guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, it made a lot of them uncomfortable. Understandably, if I'd gone out on a date and a guy was like, hey, I'm writing a book about dating and you'll likely be featured, yeah. I wouldn't go out on another date. <laughs> I didn't say it like that, obviously. But yeah, I, I would be open with them. I think it's the only it's the only way 
to yeah. do it. Yeah. I had I just had to ask because I was reading it going, oh, my goodness, this is so f-. – there are so many moments where I'm reading it and I'm like, oh, my God, that was me. Because um, Boss and I met on Bumble, a dating yeah. app. We, we were each other's first date. In as I'd been on it in America, which is very different in America. Is it? Yeah, you want a many, I think. Okay. I think it's the not. pool's a bit larger. And I think uh I think here, like if you're going on a date with someone, you're going on a date with that person. Whereas in America, you're going on a date with that person from six to seven and they might have someone else lined up from eight oh, to God. nine. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. I learned that quickly in America and I was like, oh, Okay, and then I changed my mindset when I was in America. I was like, this is more networking and getting to know people. Yeah. I really didn't make it about dating at all. And then it became so much fun because I had no expectation yeah. of it. Yeah. But, yeah, Boss and I were each other's first date, and so I love that you shared so many online dating stories or, like, app dating stories because it it just normalises something that is the norm now and it's it's really if you want to get out there, it's the quickest way it's a way to, and I think you describe it as a vetting process. Yeah. It's a way to kind of like get runs on the board. And I remember Absolutely. as well, and I think you talk about this a fair bit in the book, but like you're kind of like, hey, this person isn't for me, but I liked that they were funny and witty. That made me happy. And you're almost learning these traits and qualities that match up with yours. Sure, they're not going to be necessarily everything that yeah. you like. But did you find that when you put yourself through the – Absolutely. I learned, you learn so much more about yourself when you're out there dating than you possibly could sitting down to write a list of what you think is the ideal man. I actually went out on a date not that long ago where he was perfect on paper, amazing job, really confident in himself, wanted the same things out of life as I did. You know, everything was aligned, but Mm. there was zero, I had no chemistry with him whatsoever. And I had to, I dated him for a little bit because I really had to think about how important, like what I had to prioritise here. Yeah. Like was the fact that he was kind and generous and had a great job and all those things more important than the fact that we had zero chemistry. Mm. And so I, I really forced it for a bit, but unfortunately you do need chemistry as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but it is, you you work out what's important. Oh, I love, oh, there's so many things I want to say that I learned from this book. First of all, am I saying this right? Kismet? Kismet, yeah. Can you say what that is? Because I didn't know until I read this book. Oh, it's the best word, right? Yeah. So kismet is basically means destiny, fate. Oh. And so like a kismet encounter is like a fateful encounter. Like serendipity. Like that. serendipity the movie, <laughs> which I'm obsessed with. <laughs> Speaking of the movies, I really want to talk about the Hollywood movies. I was like, oh, my goodness, this is so inter- interesting. So can you share what you write about how – Hollywood rom-coms kind of like warp our sense of what we think reality is. Absolutely. So we're all running a love story that we've written for ourselves, whether we're conscious of it or not. Um, And this love story could be, this isn't mine, but this could just be yours. You know, you say things all the time like, oh, all the men in Sydney um, are taken or gay. You know, like that is a common line that people say. Mm. Or, um, oh, you know, Men just want to men just want to play around, and they're really not interested in settling. Or everyone in Bondi is a Peter Pan, or you know, all these things we we write. Peter Pan, that's a good one. That's one side of it, and then the other side of it is 
ah, oh, you know, I can just really see myself like meeting a guy in a really organic way. You know, we just kind of run into each other in the corner store and we have a conversation and he likes my shoes and I like his glasses and we talk about, you know, a funny story and then we fall in love. You know, these fantasies that we kind of run. And we don't even realize we're doing it until we're in a situation where someone great comes along and they haven't sort of fitted into this idea of love Mm. for us. So what I get people to do in the book is work out what current love story they're writing. uh, Yeah, they're running and write a new one. And the things that sort of frame that love story that you're already running are things like the love you witnessed growing up. So through your parents or the adults around you. Um, past relationships obviously Mm -hmm. start to craft how we view love but a massive one is Hollywood yeah and rom-coms and you know romantic books like The Notebook and all those Nicholas Sparks books and I am obsessed with rom-coms love them (laughs) and I didn't like consciously I didn't think that I was comparing my love life to rom-coms but I Absolutely Kate do. Hudson, yeah. Matthew McConaughey, all the way. All the way. I mean, they don't make rom-coms like they used to. I don't no. know why they stopped, but, God, there were some good ones in the early 2000s. Oh, you list like half of them off here <laughs> yeah. as well. But it's as uh, one thing that I think is really cool is as I was reading that, I didn't realise that I was probably heavily heavily influenced and being like, oh, I'm going to have, I'm going to run into him at the organic farmer's yeah. market and we're both just going to love Brussels sprouts. Like what the <laughs> hell? Like, you know, and I think it is that you think you're going to have that Hollywood or the other classic one is like the knight in shining armour comes yeah, and saves, saves you. me. You know, and that's mm. all. Even I mean, that like, goes back to Disney, right? Right. Yes, and you talk about Disney as well. Yeah, and this and this is it. Like, this is why we're all screwed because yeah. we've been, these stories have been embedded in our little brains since we were very, very young. I think I talk about in the book, the first rom-com I remember watching was Lady in the Tramp. Yes, and you made me want to watch Lady <laughs> in the Tramp all over again. Yeah. Of course. Oh, I could talk to you all day. We could do a whole podcast just on rom-coms and our faves <laughs> and Disney as well, I will say. Yeah. And because of um, acting school, I've studied the like the like the psychology behind why all of these, like there's a, re- like you would know this being a writer and a, such a natural born writer, but like there's this thing, like there's the story arc, the hero's journey, and we get addicted to that because we associate the whole reason we go to the movies, we can find, see ourselves in that. Yeah. And it's a safe way to see it. Absolutely. Right? Well, there's there's a key part of screenplay narrative, but also novel narrative when it comes to rom coms called the meet cute. Yes. So there's always the meet cute, right? Yeah. And the meet cute basically is the way that these people meet. Yeah. And I've got a friend who met her long-term partner now on an app, mm. but it took her forever to be okay with that because her whole life she'd had this idea of her meet cute being organic yeah. and she didn't want it to be yeah, same. digital. Oh, same with me. I totally was like, I oh, know dating apps aren't for me. And then I will say you wrote about a beautiful organic meet cute though where I think her name was Felicia and she goes to the music festival, doesn't want to go yeah. with her mates, just finds them too full on with the crowds. Yeah. Can you share that story? Yeah. Really, it is a cute meet. So the, the names have been changed. 
But basically, um, one of the girls I interviewed, she was dragged to a music festival by her friend. She yeah. really didn't want to go. Yeah. And that morning she was trying to come up with every excuse under the sun to not go, but her friend wouldn't have a bar of it. Went to the music festival. Her friend just, like, disappeared into the crowd and she's like, fuck this. <laughs> and she lined up for, like, ever to get a drink and she got to the front of the line and they gave her the wrong order. She yeah. was like, fuck. And so she sat herself down under a tree and um, started drinking. I think she wanted a vodka, vodka cruiser mix, or something, yeah. yeah, and she got a beer. She was like, damn it. <laughs> and this guy had sat down with her. I think this story is right. Is this yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, And he ended up having a vodka cruiser and she had the beer and they swapped drinks and they ended up chatting for the rest of the night and they've been together ever since. How cool is that? I mean, yeah. that's a very sweet meet It's cue. a very sweet meet you. <laughs> so they do exist but I think as well it's not attaching yourself for your story to need to look like that. Like I'm the last person I never thought I'd meet my like life but partner I on think, dining out. I mean, I think your story is a meet cute. It happened to have an app in the middle of it. Yeah. But it's yeah. still a cute story. One thing that I loved reading about in your book that reminded me of my dating early dates with Matt is um, two things. You write about embarrassing yourself accidentally <laughs> yeah. when you had like a booger hanging Snot out. out yeah. of my nose, yeah. <laughs> so with Matt, on our second day, I remember I was eating um, tempura and I put it in my mouth with chopsticks at a Japanese restaurant and it just fell straight out. <laughs> and he just looked at me and started laughing. So I think he knew then and there that I was a grub. Um, but I also told him, because you talk about sharing like, what's important to you and your values pretty early on. Yeah. And I said to him, oh, I'd, I'd like you to know that I have a therapist. And and that's because I'd been on a date with someone that wasn't okay with therapy yeah. beforehand, like, you know, a few months before, and he kind of judged me for that. And I thought, oh, I'm going to rip this Band-Aid off straight away. Yeah. Did it on the second date. Matt looked me like deadpan in the eye and he was like, I find that so attractive. Yeah. I have one too. Yeah. And so can you share a little bit about the importance of sharing kind of like your principles and your values. Yeah, look, I think it comes back to that authenticity piece. I think that if you are looking for a relationship, you're not just going out on dates to hook up with people. If you're looking for a relationship and you're looking for a higher love, then I think it's really important to be transparent about why you're there. Yeah. And I th- look, I think age definitely comes into it. Like if you're 21, maybe that stuff's not as important in those early stages of dating. Mm. But, you know, we're in our mid-30s yeah. and it is important. Yeah. And for me, the conversations that I have quite early on in the piece are about children yeah. because kids are important to me. And I find that most of the guys I'm dating, a lot of them are older than me, it's important to them too. Yeah. So they want to bring it up. They usually bring it up, to be honest. Really? Like, do you want to have? Do yeah. you want to have kids? Because they don't want to sit on a date with a woman who's not going to give them kids if that's something they want. Yeah. So, I mean, kids is one example, but you know, there's a, there's a multitude of things. I think therapy is an important one. Yeah. Um, yeah. It can be career stuff too. Absolutely. Like, I think I told Boss early on, I was like, oh, I see myself half living in America, yeah. half living in Australia. And he was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And we actually had to do a lot of work. Or I had to do a lot of work with my therapist when we first met around dropping expectations of my partner. Mm. And the moment we did that, it completely changed our relationship because I was just, but I think we, Matt's, I was just saying before, he's the catch. Like he's super calm, super uh, all, like all heart and, and very sensitive but very understanding. And it was me that kind of had to do the work of 
not needing to put my own expectations onto him. And I think that Hollywood narrative and whatnot and really letting them go and it it really shifted our whole relationship to now that everything feels like a dream. Yeah. Like we'd never have a fight, only ever about like if I fight on him, which we were joking about before. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. he'll be like, that is gross. And I'm like, no, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I want to talk about this. Um, I love this part. Of, I've heard you talk about this a little bit um, on pods before, so I apologise if it feels like a bit of repeating, but I think no, it's a really great tool yeah. about writing a letter. Yeah. And then, yeah, can you share, like, healing words kind of thing? Can you talk about this? Yeah, so I think this is in the context of yes. dealing with heartbreak, is it? Yes, it is. So you can write. Healing love wounds. Yeah. Yeah, so the idea is, look, I mean, I think most of us who've been in relationships that have ended can relate. There's a, some wounds, there's some triggers that we have left over and a lot of the time, unfortunately, we put them in a sweet leather suitcase and cut them to the next relationship. Yeah. So I think although a lot of the time we don't find closure with a partner and, and that's all we desperately need is closure, I think what can be quite cathartic is writing a letter to them mm. and not sending the letter. <laughs> is a really important caveat. Do not send the fucking letter. But we're allowed to swear on this podcast. I seem to be doing it a lot. Um, But just writing it and writing it to them. So dear Lola, and then writing everything that you would want to say as if they were standing in front of you Mm -hmm. or as if they were reading the letter, but not actually sending it. Just getting it out of your head and out of your heart and onto a piece of paper Mm. can be really, really cathartic. And then what you do with that is up to you. I don't recommend keeping it and rereading it every single day and driving mm. yourself mental. I think you should burn it. I love your tips and I love your mum's tip. <laughs> yeah. So my mum, my mum's a bit of a hippie. So we've been burning in inverted commas shit for a really long time. Um, but when I was a kid, she didn't want me to burn things. So we'd put them in the freezer. Yeah. yeah. I used to have to put spell. I used to do spells when I was like 12 years old. Yeah. And I, there was one, I, I had a crush on a schoolboy like in the other class and I put his name on a piece of paper, put honey on it, tied it up in red ribbon in a Tupperware container, put it in the freezer. He didn't work. He never asked oh, me out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, is this the answer? <laughs> is this the answer to love? <laughs> but it reminded me as I was reading it, I was like, that is so fucking art. But and then the other one was potentially burying them. Bury is that it. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, bury it. And what could be a really nice idea is like to bury it in the earth and put some seeds on top of it and then ah, water it every day. And something beautiful can grow from that heartbreak. Ah. And honestly, if we look back at heartbreak, you probably say, Hey, I actually learned this about myself. Every single one. Everyone. I've never have regretted. And I've made some dumb, dumb dating decisions in my 20s. Mm. And every single one I'm like, oh, but actually I learned this great thing. I learned that I shouldn't compromise this or I learned that I shouldn't do this. Like, and it, it's also this idea like if a relationship, and it's hard in the time when you're in the midst of heartbreak, but if a relationship isn't working for whatever reason, they don't want to be in it, you don't want to be in it, you guys are toxic together, you bring out the worst in each other, whatever it might be, you can't force that to ever be right. Yeah. And so the only good, the only gold that will come from it is processing it, finding the lesson 
and moving on. Totally. Yeah. Million percent. Can we just talk narcissists a little bit because mm. you you articulate it so beautifully in the book and in Make It Happen because I feel like you probably worked with a few from reading Make It Happen. <laughs> worked for a few, dated a few. <laughs> right. But can we just talk about the, the character traits? Yeah. I know I've definitely had my fair share of experiences. Yeah. With, and you got me after we last did our other podcast that that you guys anymore. are missing out yeah. on. <laughs> um, you got me to read Taming Toxic People yeah. by David Gillespie. So I just would love to hear for listeners because I think it is a word that is thrown around. Like you break up with something like, ah, he was a narcissist. Yeah. Like it's, it is a bit of a bandied word. But can you share a little bit about what an experience of dating a narcissist, like what some of the red flags might be? Yeah, well, the reason I brought narcissists up in the book was because I used to say to myself, um, why do I always attract the same kind of guy? Like why are narcissists always attracted to me? Like this is ridiculous. Mm. I don't understand it. What am I doing wrong? You know, poor me. And then I realised that I wasn't attracting them. I was attracted to them. Mm. So if you are thinking to yourself, why do I always attract this type of person? Have a think about what it is about that type of person that draws you to them. Mm. Um, For narcissists, for me, it was they're confident. Mm. they're charismatic charming they're charming as all hell and in the beginning stages when they're trying to get you which is how narcissists work Mm. is they will put out all stops for you you know Mm. they they glamour you if you're if you're into vampires that's what they're doing they're glamouring you um and then once they have you then it's all about them because that's all that's all a narcissist cares about really they're very um I centric. Yeah. So it's it's very much about about what's important to them. Now, I'm not an expert on narcissists at all, but the reason that they're like this is because they actually lack the ability to be empathetic. Correct. Yeah. So, the problem with this in relationships is it's not like other issues that you might have when you start dating someone and and you're like, hey, you know what? This is actually a red flag for me. Do you realize you do this? And then they're like, oh my God, I didn't realize I did that. I'm so sorry. I'll work on that. Fine. Mm. Narcissists can't work on the empathy thing because they actually have an inability to be empathetic. Mm. So it's very hard to change that person. According to David, you can't. You can't. He's like, run away is his kind of, (laughs) he's like, just back away. Yeah. I interviewed him recently for the pod and I was like so what's the advice is like leave yeah and I think what David's saying in that book right is that narcissists and psychopaths or is it sociopaths so um a psychopath will naturally be a narcissist a narcissist can be a narcissist without being a psychopath but um he's like usually narcissist sociopath psychopath generally will there's a high chance yes. they can lean into the psychopathy side of things, yeah. which is da- dangerous from a not not like criminal wise. More dangerous because there is that lack of empathy, and so your feelings really don't matter. Yes, and if you're in a relationship with that, then it's a very fast tracked way to a lot of heartbreak and probably a lot of uh, you're probably going to have to go through a lot of lessons and pain until you get out of that. That said, I've definitely dated my fair share and there have been awesome lessons when I look back and uh, you and I are both having a little laugh about this before the pod. I've been dumped via text message and in the moment it is horrific. But boy, oh boy, when you get perspective, you 
you inevitably learn such a great lesson on self-value, self-worth, right? Yeah, and also I think, you know, as you get deeper and deeper into dating and relationships and, um, you know, all the lessons that come from it, you realise that most of the time, and not to take the onus off you, but it's so about them. Yeah. And it's not about you. So if someone's ghosting you or you've just been broken up via broken up with via text message. And yours was before Valentine's uh, Day, wasn't it? Day before Valentine's Day. (laughs) This year, guys. Nice and fresh. (laughs) Um (laughs) you it it is absolutely about them because what kind of a person does that? An insecure person? Yeah. Somebody who's afraid of confrontation, um, somebody who doesn't want to own up to their own shit, um, not the person who's who's being dumped via text message. I actually posted on Instagram the day after that happened, yeah. or maybe it was the day it happened. I don't know. I was feeling I was feeling fresh and vulnerable, um, but I likened it to Sex in the City when Berger broke up with Carrie via post it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, <laughs> it's that same ridiculousness because yeah. it's like. You've just invested so much time in this person mm. and, and I wasn't just talking a few dates, guys. Like we'd been seeing each other. Yeah. We'd been sleeping together, yeah. you know, like very intimate. Yeah. Um, and for it to all, all boil down to a paragraph in a text yeah. is yeah. just so insulting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know I was in the exact same scenario as you and I, it wasn't until after the dust settled that I learnt that he had bipolar. Oh. But up until I learnt that, I was like, it's all me, I've done the yeah. wrong thing, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not skinny enough, blah, 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 yeah. self-doubt. And then when I understood the full picture, I was like, oh, like I actually had empathy and I started to go, I feel sorry for this person. And, yeah. it, and it ended up being a wonderful lesson. Thank you for sharing that because I just think I'm sure we're not the only two girls that have been dumped <laughs> no. by, a, by a text. Absolutely not. I have to share this quote from the book that, like, I burst into laughter. I read this bit on the plane last night and okay. I was like, oh, my God. So you interviewed um, a bunch of people about what, like, what do you like on a dating app and yeah. what don't you like on a dating app. And this is, like, a full quote, page 175 from the book. So this is from a female talking about a male's profile. Okay. Stop posting pics of your car, truck, <laughs> motorcycle, that you're not in. Are you a transformer? Yeah. <laughs> it's so true though, isn't it? Yes. I just love that though. There are so many things like that I, I was like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm out of the the kind of like online dating game because I've been bosso nearly three <laughs> years now. But like I didn't know that you had to post like full body pics. I had no Well, idea. I mean I didn't either. Hey, oh. Like and I when I did, wrote that chapter I had to go – back into my profile and change a bunch of stuff because I'd never asked anyone what they wanted. And look, the full body pics is a funny one because I, I think I even say it in the book. I got super defensive when people said yeah, that to you me. Said that. I yeah, was you like, said that. why? That's very judgy. But you know, the fact of the matter is you're rocking up to meet this person in the flesh. That's usually the goal of being on a dating app. And eventually they're going to see more than just your head. So you really need to give a representation of you. And it's not about being a certain size or you don't have to be in your active wear. It's just about getting a picture of who they're rocking up to meet. And is it true that you've gone up to meet someone on it and you've you've kind of a match with them, you've been chatting and you thought you were meeting the friend in yeah. the photos? He had three photos on his profile. <laughs> I mean, this was this was rookie jaw days. I would double check before. <laughs> um, but 
He had three photos. First one was a group photo. Who knows? Yeah. Second one was him and a mate. And then the third one was also him and a mate. Same mate. Same mate. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know why. I, I don't know why. It was my own assumption. Stupid. Oh, the other dude was there. What did you, we just like, he was actually, mission. no, no, he was actually really nice. Okay. But um, I was just thrown at first because I just wasn't expecting it. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy, yeah. but funny. And I'm sure you're not the only person that's no. happened to. But the other thing is, you know, I think, I think. We we have this idea that women are posting photos that are like five years old or heavily filtered or whatever, but I can't tell you how many guys I've gone to meet whose photos must have been like five years old. Yeah. And I'm like, mate, you have aged since since that photo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the filter thing as well. Like I, I definitely put filter photos up on my, when I had a dating app for sure. Yeah, and selfies and all of that yeah. is it's fine. But if you can have photos of you in your natural environment. Keep it real. Keep it real, yeah. I want to talk to you about a book that I read in my 20s, went through heartbreak, and I was like, I need to buy a book to get me through this heartbreak. And at the time, the male equivalent was out and going and selling. So there was a male book called The Game. Yeah. And then I picked up the female book called The Rules. Yeah. And you talk about this yeah. in the book. And I was like, the rules are in, like, so basically it's play hard to get, like, in a nutshell, right? Like, don't don't go out on a date with him if he invites you on Wednesday for a Saturday day. Like, I mean, archaic they shit. were so restrictive yeah. as well. Uh, can you read some of the ones that are yeah, in there? Yeah. I don't even remember what they are now. So the, t- the start of this paragraph... <laughs> Jordana's written rules schmools. So, and I was like, oh, my God, she's talking about the book I was obsessed with. Uh, and I had forgotten about it. Yeah. But it's really, it's so don't talk to a man first, don't call him and rarely return his calls, don't accept a date for a Saturday night after Wednesday, heaven forbid, don't. don't um, stop dating him if he doesn't buy your romantic gift. Materialistic. I mean, that, that one is ridiculous. Don't see him more than once or twice a week. Don't open up too fast. Be easy to live with. Be easy to live with. I know, they're ridiculous. Don't break the rules. <laughs> Mental. But I I did buy that. Like mm. I was like. Well, because we're desperate, right? Yeah. I mean, we have been in stages of desperation. 100%. What am I doing wrong? You know, it must be me. Oh, I haven't followed the rules. Totally. And also I think like society's expectation that by, like, I don't know about you, but when I was a teenager, I was like, by 27 I'm going to have a white picket fence <laughs> yeah. and two kids and be a Kate Blanchett, a movie star. Like yeah. we have this really weird warped and, again, it comes down to the Hollywood kind of like perception because what we're seeing out there is totally not the truth. Yeah. I could talk to you all day, but I do want to end on like you've got so many, especially towards the um, back of the book, so many tools for kind of like, I guess it comes back to like setting a really good personal vibration. Mm. And I was reading these and I was like, ah, oh, this is just a good like hack for feeling good in life. Forget the love for a second, like put that aside. But you're like, do more of the things you love. And this is like other ways to meet people organically, okay. right? Volunteer. I, I love this one, like um, borrow a puppy and take it to the park. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Well, it works. Have you yeah. ever done that? No, but I do. I, I'm that person that runs at the puppy yeah. when I see one. But what advice would you have for people that are like, all right, 
I'm single, I'm ready to mingle, but I want to <laughs> do it wholeheartedly and I want to do it real, cut the bullshit, cut the fake stuff. I know these rules are like you've spoken beautifully in, in the end of the book, but for people listening going, what are a couple of things I can do to just kind of like make sure that that next love is a higher love? Well, I think definitely prioritising yourself. So make that the first thing you do is just working on yourself, working out what parts of you you feel like are missing and need to be filled by someone else and work work out ways to fill them yourself. Mm. So that's the first thing. The second thing is if you have been out of the dating game for a while and you want to go on a date, hop on an app. Yeah. You can you can hook up a date for the next night if you want. Yeah. Um, if you if you're a bit scared and you just want to start chatting to some people, hop on an app. Yeah, it's the best way to do it. Um, if you want to try things a little bit more organically, you don't have to sit at a bar by yourself waiting for someone to come and hit on you because it's likely not going to happen. As I talk about in the book, men just don't want to do it anymore. They're yeah. sick of it. Um, so I would just be out there being yourself, doing the things that you love. Make sure you're outside amongst people. They're not going to walk into your lounge room. But saying yes to invitations from friends to dinners or barbecues or whatever it might be, mm. saying yes to networking events, saying yes to any kind of social gathering where you have the opportunity to meet people. But in doing that, go there just to be yourself and enjoy yourself and have fun, Mm. not with this desperate energy of needing to find a partner. Because I think when we take the energy of desperation out, there's a lot more room for just stuff to flow on in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love the book. I'm going to have it in the show notes. We're going to give a copy away with this ep too. Yeah, that'll be fun. Watch out for the gram for that one. Jordana, you are wonderful. Thank Thank you so much for jumping on the pod. Thank you. Big love. That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at Yummo Lollaberry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and comment. And of course, spread the love. Mm-hmm.